Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, I've been looking for freedom. I'm Nick Houghton of 40%German.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox. How are you this week, Simon? Yeah, I'm doing all right, mate. Loving a bit of the hoff to get us going. What a better yeah. way to start? We haven't mentioned David Hasselhoff on the podcast, have we? There's a no. lot to talk about. That's, I think that's a special episode on all its own. It's an aberration. I've been in quarantine this week, so this has been my theme tune, is seeking seeking freedom. But I'll hopefully be out of it by Tuesday. Uh, no symptoms of, of COVID at the moment, so it's all looking good. I got a test on Tuesday, and then I'll be free as a bird, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. How about yourself? Anything exciting? Not much, really. I mean, now, of course, we are in, in the wonderful month of April. Mood is picking up yeah. a little bit edging towards summer but yeah at the same time mm-hmm. you just open up the newspaper and you're just like fuck this shit i'm out <laughs> i'm just gonna lock myself in any april fools gags it almost seemed like the biggest april fools was volkswagen completely screwing it all right yeah but they of course decided to change their name in the u.s to volkswagen like volt a- an electrical measurement to sort of voice their pro electric car movement they're going to be pushing in the next two decades or so but of course to do this you had to file paperwork and so it became known about three days early and everyone was like oh look at this company that can't make a joke they released the news story mm. didn't they like three days before april uh, april 1st and you're kind of wondering then why didn't you just do it on april 1st you weirdos i hope they're better at making cars than making jokes you know this week we're talking about german tv there comes a time in any immigrant's life in germany where suddenly out of the haze of babble background noise, your language skills have levelled up enough to the point where you can follow TV. Whether or not this is a good thing remains to be seen. Often maligned for poor quality and an over-reliance on tired formats, is German TV really that bad, Simon? It's easy to like flick through the channels and think, this is already bad. Uh, mm-hmm. It's easy to get that impression. But I'm, I'm definitely more in the camp now that I, I enjoy watching German TV. Obviously, it's, it's hugely advantageous for like my language skills and gaining cultural knowledge. Like, I live here and I want to understand things better. So I, I sort of tell myself that it's helping, even if it's not necessarily the highest quality of TV. Yeah, I mean, there, there is some trash out there, and we're going to talk about some of it today. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I'm not very well versed on German TV. If I watch anything, it's usually Netflix. Like that's most of what I watch. Mm. I watch a lot of Disney Plus at the moment. Uh, <laughs> but you, you do watch a lot of German TV, as you said. Do you think it's do you think it's a cliche then that it's all like low rent? Is it people just watching the wrong television shows? I mean, there's a lot of really bad TV. Like even sort of good networks um, that produce good quality contents, they balance that by producing low budget, high viewing figure type shows. So I mean, there are very few networks that i would rely on to produce good quality uh, stuff one area that is pretty strong throughout is documentaries they do source mm-hmm. a lot of documentaries from the uk and from france and other places so it's not always guaranteed to be like german filmed but if you do watch like um, anything on arta uh, you're going to get a good documentary about like the amazon mm-hmm. rainforest or like deutschland von orban um some nice drone shots <laughs> yeah I- I'm, I'm i'm definitely down for that but if i was going to watch like a drama uh, or something equivalent to a soap opera, I would stay well away from it. There's some really poor quality stuff in those genres. A good starting point would be to say what kind of TV shows we, we're into, what TV shows we're mm-hmm. like. So uh, what are your favourite TV shows in general in any language? I mean, obviously most of my favourites are English because that's my best language. <laughs> um, but if I had to like pick one that i could only watch one show for the rest of my life it would be uh, it's always sunny in philadelphia mm-hmm. which i've mentioned a few times already over the episodes but i'm fully aware it's not for everyone it's not a show i w- watch with my wife uh, i'm not sure how much she'd enjoy it because it is mm-hmm. crude uh, a lot of the topics for comedy are very very sort of risque so yeah it's definitely not for everyone and um, so that would be my all-time favorite if i had to choose something other to watch then it would be anything produced by the attenborough bbc wildlife uh, productions planet earth blue planet i mean even some of the really classic stuff i mean like life from 2009 was really good there's just loads and loads of really good stuff and he's sort of been the bedrock of i think a lot of the way that tv functions in the uk because yeah he and his family do have a role in in the bbc as well those would be my two i guess 
I try not to watch too much trash and because I, I don't watch live television, I don't watch television channels, particularly I just stream stuff. You, you have a choice. I really like the fantasy stuff. Like, so games, Game of Thrones was really good. I'm a sucker for any kind of sci-fi. Uh, at the moment, um, I've watched the two Marvel TV series that have come out, WandaVision and I'm currently watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But other stuff like Black Mirror, The Boys is a really good, interesting Amazon TV show about like plays on the idea of like superheroes so a lot of lot of stuff like that that's the kind of thing I'm into but uh, anything that's got anything that's quite innovative or interesting I don't mind where which country it comes from although a lot of the stuff I watch is obviously English language content I must admit I've watched more German TV this week than I've ever before after Simon suggested we talk about it this week if I do seek out programs that they're often on recommendation which brings me to the first topic Simon do you know who Yoko and Klaus are uh yeah I've, I've, I've watched like sections of their shows uh, I've never sat down and successfully watched an entire thing maybe I've just caught the wrong things um, but it always seems to me that when it's Yoko and Klaus Gagan I don't know Prozeben or Develt or whatever the other variations on this are like it seems to start at about 8 15 and run until midnight and I just don't have the endurance <laughs> and whenever I have caught these shows, there's always like there's games, there's activities, but these things have to be explained to Yoko and Klaus as the competitors, and of course the audience are there as well, and the moderator. And that often is like ten times the length of the task, just like the banter mm-hmm. connected to like what are we going to do here? And so yeah, it kind of feels like dragging a one-hour show out into five. And yeah, that's really not my thing. For a sort of variation on this that I I do enjoy watching is the I think it's called the Crash Games, uh, where a very very similar principle, stupid games, but with members of the public willing to make stupid fools mm-hmm. of themselves, and that's a lot more entertaining because it's bang bang bang, pie in the face, slime all over mm. you, you falling in the mud, ha ha, you're an idiot, and I think that works a bit better. Jim <laughs> TV does have a history of like really long entertainment shows. <laughs> Like this, like a talk yeah. show. I forget the name of it. That was on, I don't think they make it anymore. But it was like a talk show that went on for five hours. And you just like, come on. T file total mid uh, mid Rob might well be. His, his were always like three or four hours. Anything I saw with him, gonna have a lot of stamina. <laughs> I think it's because because of, of the long German sentences. That's why they have to be so long. Uh, but okay, so for the audience, in case you don't know, Yoko and Klaas are, are two uh, TV comedians, and they make mostly entertainment shows. And for years, they presented a late night entertainment show called Hali Gali or Circus Haligali, uh, with audience games that sketches, bit of stand-up. And, and it was, yeah, one of these long-winded entertainment shows. But one of the more innovative parts, as Simon mentioned, was the idea that they would be surprised with tasks that had to be explained to them by the production team or by the channel that they were on. And this idea seems to have grown. And in 2019, they started this new TV show called uh, Yoko and Class Gig and Prozeben, that Simon just mentioned. And Prozeben are the channel that uh, the show is on. And they're set channels specifically by Prozeben. And if they win, they gain 15 minutes of airtime the next night for whatever they want to, to put on. And if they lose, they have to perform some stunt for the channel, such as presenting a one-off show on one of their like shopping channels or dressing up in a stupid costume and, and antagonizing their rival channels at their headquarters. Could you imagine something happening in the UK where like a BBC presenter dressed up as like a middle finger or something and went and stood outside of Channel 4? Is that something you could imagine might happen in the UK? Not a show that's as as large uh, as Yoko and Klaus. Like, I think if you look at the more cult Channel 4 shows that came out, like maybe Trigger Happy TV um, with Dom mm. Jolly, I can imagine that. I can imagine Channel 4 doing it to others, but I, there's no way on earth the BBC would allow a member of their staff to go over and just be like, you're all dicks outside Channel 4 headquarters. Like They wouldn't show it because of the way the BBC is funded. Mm. Like, they have to have a holier-than-thou approach in a lot of these kinds of things, whereas, yeah, ProSieben, it's, mm-hmm. it's a company on its own that can say, yeah, screw you other guys, Like we're the best. <laughs> and that's quite refreshing. <laughs> well, I think Channel 4, when they first started, were quite edgy, mm. weren't they? They used to have a lot more edgy television on, a lot more stand-up comedy, a lot of alternative comedy. It's kind of become a bit uh, sanitized in, in recent years and they don't take as many risks I think these networks in the UK as Nick said like took risks back in the day I mean shows like The Word which like wasn't mm-hmm. produced 
by the the network in a conventional way like the people on the show made it and then it's like this is what we've made put it on and that that doesn't happen anymore at all because yeah people write letters and complain or write to their senators in the u.s it's all a bit more dramatic like tfi friday is probably mm. the last thing i remember oh, they, they had the big breakfast and he was a live big breakfast was like three hours long and tfi friday was like two and a half hours long and and it was all live and there was a lot of times where people came on and they were especially on tfi friday they would be drunk and they might say swear do something they couldn't control and and, and that was kind of exciting yeah it's not so much of a, a common thread you see in the uk as much it shows like how important a really good presenter is though i mm-hmm. think these shows and that's one thing i will say about yoko and Klaus. like they're both really really capable of like managing an extended period where there isn't much happening they will talk their way through it really nicely and mm-hmm. i think they're both really friendly feeling like i like both of them even though i don't watch their stuff like they both mm-hmm. come across well the reason i wanted to talk about yako and class was is what they decided to do with the the 15 minutes mm-hmm. that they won if they won 15 minutes that has been for me quite radical and probably one of the more innovative ideas on television so like i said they compete on yako and class gig and Protiban for the opportunity to win 15 minutes of airtime at prime time the next night and they made the decision quite early on not to use their winnings to promote themselves, but instead to promote voices and topics that don't get the same amount of airtime. One of the first things they did was invited a group of people to come on and give essentially monologues about what their experiences were. And the people they chose were, uh, one of them was Pierre Klemp, who was the captain of the confiscated rescue ship uh, mm-hmm. Leventa. There was in the Mediterranean picking up refugees, people who were trying to reach Italy via dinghy and small little boats. And she talked for four, four or five minutes about her experiences as the captain of that ship. They then had Dieter Poole, who is a spokesperson and uh, he works with the homeless. And he spoke about his station mission at the Bahnhof Zoo in Berlin. Uh, that person was an activist called Birgit Lohmeyer, who talked about her experience living in a village with right-wing neighbours. And the village she lives in is a hotbed of right-wing groups. And every year she hosts an event called Jamal Rock Den Furster, which is a, a concert that raises money to fight the right mm-hmm. wing. The idea that you'd have these people on in a prime time slot to talk about things you just don't hear as much about. But the thing that really caught my focus was when, when they gave up their time slot to the author Sophie Passman, and she led the audience through this exhibition called Men's World on Sexual Harassment of Women. And it was just like seeing that on primetime television was really uh, I thought moving harrowing and it really sort of opened uh, I think a lot of people's eyes and mm. and for me I think the reason I bring it up is that they recently did another thing that was quite innovative and something I'd not really seen done on any channel before instead of being given 15 minutes they spoke to Proteban they took 7 hours of Proteban's schedule to show almost the entire shift of a nurse working in a hospital in Munster interspersed with comments from other nurses about the difficulties of working in that field it's moving and it's difficult to watch and it's it's because there is a real nursing crisis in Germany that just doesn't get talked about. And when you talk about healthcare in Germany, a lot of German people will tell you how great the healthcare system mm. is. And it's a really important story. And they, like I said, they took all this, this chunk of time to do it. I was thinking, though, about TV innovation in general. And I was wondering what sort of British or American TV you think has been quite innovative in a similar way to Yoko and Klaas. Is there a show that you're like, oh, yeah, that's something that I've not seen before until I'd seen it on TV? I mean, most most of the things that come to mind are sort of more comedic like peep show for example like the whole thing was filmed in first person perspective when a character was talking you occasionally were given the impression you were inside their head and you would hear their their conscious thoughts as well so i think that's really innovative and you see that being used a lot these days i mean louis theroux is a great one mm-hmm. i mean documentaries are something I, I enjoy watching all the time but i think louis theroux does something really special in his documentaries is that he's often portrayed as being sort of the guy who's just awkward to the point where they have to break the silence with him and so people say things that they weren't planning on saying uh, and he sort of lures them into a false sense of Mm. security but he's also brave the stuff that you see in best of louis theroux where it's like meeting Mm. with the hamiltons like celebrities or politicians in the uk that's fine but racism Mm. in south africa is a really terrifying episode uh, to watch him navigate his way through Uh, meeting the Nazi family uh, in America, which I think is probably Mm. the most famous episode of anything he's done. It's it's terrifying because he does put himself in in genuinely dangerous areas. He's done Mm. a lot of crime ones like Philadelphia, when it was the murder capital, I think, for one year. Reno, Nevada as the crack cocaine capital. Like This is a journalist who, at that point in his career, was, was able to be like, 
let's send someone else. I can just write the script. But he did it. And so, yeah, big fan of that uh, direction on documentaries that he unleashed for us. Who do you think of? I, I agree with you that British and American TV usually innovates when it comes to drama and comedy. One thing that I, I, it's a weird one, it's a bit left field, is the Graham Norton show. Okay. Right, and the reason I chose the Graham Norton show to highlight is that it kind of breaks down your idea of what a talk show is. Every talk show is a vehicle for a celebrity to come on and talk about something they're working on or promote a film Mm. or promote something they're doing or a musician to promote something they're doing. One of the things that he does that's really interesting is he he tends to get them drunk. So they have a few drinks and then they sort of talk and and he's very good at getting stories out of them or like watching Tom Cruise on that is one of the more interesting interviews you'll see with, because Tom Cruise is, he's like a mega, mega, mega star and to get him to open up and it's the way he does like an impression of Donald Duck. Like, and you just say, who's this guy? Like, what is going on? I just, I, I thought that was really interesting. One of the things I like as well is that obviously it's, it's pretty normal on American late night shows if they have celebrity guests that they'll let them sit near each other. But it's very much like your interview is finished, you sit there, the next guy's coming. Uh, whereas on Graham Norton, because of the booziness uh, of the whole thing, often you'll have someone who was interviewed at the start, like very much involved. Yeah. Uh, as part of the later asking questions and see yeah, yeah. dynamic yeah. and when you see like let's say tom hanks on the sofa with jamie fox and some like unknown british comedian that can produce really interesting bits of sort of cultural sharing mm. where nobody really knows what's going on the other the other, the other thing i was thinking about was uh, stuff like the royal family which was just a one one room play essentially for 30 minutes where you had a family watching television having a conversation and it was written as if it was all uh, it entirely improvised and some parts of it were and some of it wasn't it was i thought that was quite groundbreaking or things like true detective you, you had these hollywood a-list actors mm-hmm. in in matthew mcconaughey and, and uh, woody harrelson there was a sequence like i'm a, a sucker for like really well-made sequencing and tv and there was a sequence where it was a one shot as matthew mcconaughey's trying to get out of a, a house and a housing estate where he's under oh, attack God, yeah. and he's in a no. gunfight and it, the camera just sticks with him for the entire it's all filmed in one shot and that's that kind of stuff out that always gets to us so I love the technical mm. bits of television I wonder what would happen if there was something like the seven hour documentary on British television whether that would open people's eyes a little bit to the experiences that people have and I would like to pitch Anton Deck go to the slaughterhouse <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh that sounds that, that was an opportunity to do my Geordie accent but I think I think I'll refrain from doing it this week it's our US P mate, we need it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving on, any conversation about German TV has to at some point discuss crimi dramas or crime dramas if you prefer. Uh, so Nick, are you a fan of a crimi? I watch a lot of crime dramas if I'm honest. Like mm-hmm. if I think about all the shows that I've watched, then like crime dramas are always popular in the UK. They're popular. I just mentioned True Detective as an example. But generally speaking, German TV is dominated by crimis. Uh, but sitting on top of the pile is probably Germany's most famous TV show, which is Tadort Crime Scene. Hit a massive four digits, 1,161 episodes and counting. And regular viewing figures are between 8 and 10 million per week. Uh, so it's like 10% of the population mm-hmm. are sitting down and watching this every week. And it is part of their culture mm-hmm. and has been for decades. Mm-hmm. It's a TV phenomena. It's been running continuously since 1970 with some 30 feature length episodes per year. These are 90 minutes mm-hmm. uh, without adverts, these ones. Um, Every Sunday. Are there adverts in it? No, uh, no adverts. Okay. Uh, so, it's, yeah, 90 minutes. These are films being put out. And this makes it the longest-running TV drama in Germany. It was developed by the German public service broadcasting organization ARD, or RAD, uh, for the channel Das Erste, the first. And it's unique in its approach because it's actually jointly produced by all the organization's regional members, as well as its partnering Austrian and Swiss public national service broadcast. I guess the first question is, Nick, are you, are you a fan and do you watch it regularly? I don't watch it regularly. My wife watches it regularly. When I told her we were going to do this, she said, like, why aren't you talking about Pulitzer Roof? Which I think we'll have to mention just quickly, which was the uh, G- GDR equivalent of Tatort that I think started in 1972 yeah. and is still on. 
a similar idea uh, and they sort of work in tandem and there's i think there's some crossover between them sometimes mm-hmm. doing the research for tatort was the most complex thing as you can imagine after a, over a thousand episodes there's a lot of backstory <laughs> there's a lot of character <laughs> backstory to go through but do i watch it regularly no yeah. i watch clips i watch bits that i see i watch trailers i can't say that i've it's been a long time since i sat down and watched a full episode am i a, am I a fan can you be a fan of a show that you don't really watch? I'm going to say that's a no. <laughs> no, I can't say that I'm a fan. I think I'm a, I'm an avid supporter of Tatort. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Waving a banner, but not going into the stage. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'll go into bat for Tatort, and I think I think I will. You'll see as we go progress through this this chat where I think it it does well and where it doesn't. Uh, do you? Remember your first tattoo that you ever watched? Yeah, I, I do actually. I remember I was at my wife's uh, girlfriend at the time, and it was when I just started watching TV, um, and it was a show that she'd watched regularly. And so I think one Sunday night I was over, uh, she's like, "Okay, yeah, let's just, you should watch Tattoo. It's really good TV." And I made it through the first ten minutes, knowing what happened, and then like my German mm-hmm. just broke. I wasn't able to concentrate anymore. So I don't know if we watched the whole episode. Uh, it might have got switched off. But yeah, it, it wasn't a hugely mm-hmm. positive experience for me. I definitely rec- recognised that my border was being like well and truly mm-hmm. smashed by the complexity of the show. It's not crash, bang, wallop TV chasing crims. It's very dialogue heavy. And so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely realised that I needed to put some work in. I have no recollection of the first one I watched. I, knew, I remember watching it and going, this is very well shot. It looks very, very nice. Mm-hmm. No idea what anyone's saying. But this looks looks really nice. And I think I made it to the end, but I'd sort of zoned out. Like, it's unless you've got a good grasp of policing vocabulary, you're going to have a pretty hard time. The regional accents are also a huge issue. Never really a simple, like, who done it. Often the episode length allows for the crime to be shown in all its aspects. Equal attention focused on the perpetrators and the victims and the inspectors. It's very multifaceted as sort of a narrative compared to most UK cop shows, at least. And on several occasions, the actual police work is like, it's just a side note. The main plot might focus on how the persons involved dealt with the crime and its aftermath. And so there's a lot more of the psychological damage elements, things like that. Episodes also deal with like social and political issues as well. It isn't a sterile narrative of like murder cop investigate jailed hooray for us uh, which is like the csi series whether it be new york or whatever that is every episode follows that narrative so yeah tadult's definitely more complex in that sense but i mean when you've been doing it since the 70s you've got to have done all these simple narratives and now you're doing like yeah a tom crafter uh it's like the subtext (laughs) i guess because because they're filming it like around the time that it's going to be sent out it allows them to tackle some like social issues and one of the main secrets to tadot's success is that episodes don't focus on one team or one area and like each episode gives different teams working out of different cities and this is definitely charming but it does mean it's quite difficult for a new watcher to Mm -hmm. get into given some of the teams have been going since like the 80s, these partnerships, so you know the detectives, you know the backstory. Um, and it's a lot to catch up on. Again, when I've watched the first Munster episode, my wife was like telling me all the stuff about the detectives yeah. whilst I'm trying to follow them, talking to each other about what happened in the case. <laughs> exactly. It really was a bit of an overload. But the result of this diversity is you get like a really wide range of dialects from all over Germany, Austria and Switzerland. That can be very challenging sometimes. So yeah, my first like 10 attempts to watch a full episode, I have to be mm. honest, ended up with me like zoning out and just kind of like, oh, it's 60 minutes to go. Okay, I'll just zone out until it uh, until the credits roll. So I mean, I guess the question is, is it actually boring? I think if you've got a TV show that's run for, a, a, like like I said, for so long, some of it's going to be just <laughs> like shit. I was thinking my, my analogy would be The Simpsons. How many okay. good episodes of The Simpsons and how many bad episodes of The Simpsons? Like it's it, there's a, there's a lot of good episodes and bad episodes, and I think Tatort, Tatort, it is best is really really good, and it is worst is one of the most mm-hmm. boring television shows, one of the most cliche television shows. It's got different writers, different directors. Uh, obviously different actors and i think that if you if you get the right director the right script writer the right actors it can be television gold like i remember watching an episode where i'm obviously remembering this in the most negative light i'm pretty sure nothing happened i'm pretty sure it was just <laughs> it was just like uh, 
a group of people talking for for an hour and a half and absolutely i don't remember there even being a murder or them investigating anything it just went on and on and it was ethereal and shot in such a way that made it like unaccessible as a viewer and it just felt like the worst version of Tartor I could you could ever come up with. I guess yeah, when you have to do something that someone hasn't done before on a show that's run for a th- over a thousand episodes, um, it's got to be really challenging. I watched one that was all based on like circus performers, and it's just like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not invested. I don't care. Well, like, there was one episode. And this there was a period of time. And I guess it was around Game of Thrones was they would just kill people off like shockingly, and you would be mm. like, "Oh, I love that guy! Oh, he's dead in a horrific way." And I, th- I think Tato does yeah. that where they pick up on zeitgeists and they pick up on the moment, and they'll try and inject it in their TV show. So the opening sequence of the show was the lead character getting shot in the head, and I was like, "Whoa! Like this is amazing! They killed off this guy, and then it proceeded that actually he'd been shot in the head, but had survived." And I was like, "Oh no!" Like like that's really that's so Mm. bad and i just like i just had to stop watching it i just gave up my wife continued to watch it and i just did something else because i was just like you've lost me as a viewer like i thought you'd done something really exciting and actually what you've done is you've wanted to do something exciting shut the bed halfway through writing it and decided like oh actually we're not going to do that it's not that they don't kill off characters they do but often you know the character is going to die because They've, you know they're leaving the show and they've done like a, a TV and magazine like interview where they're like, oh, I really enjoyed my time on Tatort and now I'm going to go off and do other things. And so you already know that they're going to die and you're just waiting to find out how they kill that character. So it's never really a surprise. So yeah, I think sometimes it can be really, really awful. I, th- I think obviously we're spoiled <laughs> coming from like a UK background where American shows were so prevalent for us, especially when it comes to crime. We're kind of used to a bit more mm-hmm. excitement, a bit more drama. Uh, and Taddle mm-hmm. definitely focuses on like scripted drama, uh, on sort of things being revealed in conversation, as opposed to we're kind of used to like, look, there's the body. <laughs> look, here's my gun. There's the bad guy. Shoot. Bang. Um, and that narrative is, is pretty stupid. But it is, it's good television. There's a reason why we all kind of love watching American drama because it does have that budget. Whereas, yeah, when like your high, high-speed car chase in Frankfurt is like done in like a, a 1984 polo, like, okay, that's not that exciting. Well, I think I think with British TV show has the reputation of we made six episodes of one of the best made TV shows and we're not going to make any more of it. Like that's like the reputation is like this each season is six episodes or eight episodes and then it's over and you're like, well, where's the next one? Like, oh no, we only made eight episodes. It's the most amazing eight episodes, but that's, we've done it. And you're like, what's happening there? And America's sort of their process is we've got eight episodes that we're going to make into 24 episodes. Like watching Game of Thrones, it was 10 (laughs) episodes per season. I think 11 or 12 was the final season. I can't remember. But there was an episode where loads of stuff happened. It was dead exciting. And then there was another episode where the children around a castle talking about like what they may or may not do in the future. And you're like, oh, and obviously it's budget constraints and things like that. It's understandable. But there's so many shows, like there's a lot of shows like Blacklist. Like like a lot of people Mm -hmm. have said, oh, you should watch this show. And I've watched the first episode. This is good. And then I looked and it was like 24 episodes. I'm not watching this. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to work out which episodes are good or watching it for a ten minute sequence where James Spade is like acting his ass off and then like the rest of it's shit. I'm like I just I don't have the time in my life. To... With shows like that, I guess their viewing figures keep growing and they're like, okay, we just need to make this as broad as possible to hit the whole of the US and international market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of these kinds of shows. I like, I thought of The Mentalist mm-hmm. immediately. The same thing happens every single time. Um, it's just a different criminal, different crime, but. The, the narrative is always going to be the same. And I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if you've got a loyal audience, that's great. Tadal could definitely invest in, in some different ways, I guess, to, to keep us focused. I like that it is able to employ... Every, every actor seems to have been in it. It's a fertile ground for German directors... Like it, it's it's an industry in itself almost. So my German is now at a point where I can hang in there for a full ninety minutes. Uh, but what I would give for some mahusive explosions or car chases <laughs> to break from the to me to you cross examination conversation being acted out by the best of that region's ability. Uh, who is the German Michael Bay? Hey, I yeah, yeah. need that guy's number. I, th- I think I've only watched two or three where there's actually been an explosion, and they were good episodes. 
which says everything about my level of yeah. of TV quality, exactly. right? Your background. Yeah. I mean, I've been living in Franconia for over five years when I watched my first like Franken Tadort set and filmed in the city I live in. And it was at that point that I realized that I basically understood nothing of the local dialect. And I was just like hanging in there with my A-level in Hochdeutsch. It was the first time I remember feeling like foreign, on foreign, like double foreign. Um, like I spoke the national mm-hmm. language. I had an A-level in it. But I was totally at sea when like two detectives from my city had like a simple coffee date. Like summary of the events that have happened in the case. <laughs> have you ever felt this? What's going yeah, really, on? It was like, have, was that German? Like, have you ever felt that way? Yeah, I mean, this is my daily ex- life experiences. Is feeling, I'm very, I know exactly where the 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 border, the grenzer of my my German is. And I often overreach, and that's when my German goes to shit. Is when I try and start constructing sentences as if I'm a native speaker. I'm, I'm really not. Like I can conduct a conversation, but I have to keep my sentences simple. I can't do the multi-clause German sentences, so I know my limit. And when it comes to dialect, there's bits that I understand, there's bits that I don't. But with Tatort, with like reading Süddeutsche Zeitung, I, I, my border limit for Süddeutsche Zeitung is two paragraphs, and then I'm done. <laughs> Like with Tatort, it's the first 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then they start talking really quickly. <laughs> or there's someone with a dialect comes in. And I'm like, I'm out. I like, I've lost what they said. And then I'm like, turn them up, being the most annoying co TV watcher where you're going, what do you say? Who's that? Why is he? What? Why is he saying that? <laughs> Just like, can't. Like, it's really hard to follow sometimes. Certainly. I mean, it's it's definitely one of the pitfalls of like watching good German TV. Like you have to have good German to be able to do it. More on that in a minute. I mean, Tadot's also famous for having featured pretty much every single German actor or actress working today in some role or another. It's only recently that British and American TV have got over Mm -hmm. uh, the TV actors and film actors idea. And now they can cross over uh, from one platform to the other whenever they like. UK TV still lives in the shadow of like fully funded guns out American prestige television. But British TV does have a lot of funding behind it and budget to allocate. So it's not uncommon to see like uh, A-list British actors taking on roles in British shows. So a UK cop show will not look all that low budget when compared to some out there. And maybe more reliant on some Michael Bay-esque mahusive explosions, car chases, big bangs, Mm -hmm. panning helicopter shots, high drama. It's all really standard. Um, so we are kind of spoiled, I think, in the UK. We do make some good stuff, independent stuff as well. Yeah. But of course, if you struggle to follow mm-hmm. what's being said, then there might be a different televisual lane for you to get to these uh, these dizzy heights. Well, I think it would be the same for someone, a uh, like German speaker who's watching something like The Wire, which is set in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And when The Wire is like sort of, the argument is it's either the best show you've ever watched or you've never watched it. Uh, and it was, and it's, <laughs> it it's, 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 I think it's six seasons in total and, and five of those seasons are gold. It's, it's a really, really interesting TV show. You have like that anti-hero element. And I was saying to my wife before, I was like, has there ever been like a mm-hmm. corrupt policeman, like as a main character? And she couldn't re- think off the top of her head. Again, she's probably watched hundreds and hundreds of episodes. So trying to remember a specific character in a, in a show that she might have watched five years ago is a bit tricky for anyone, I think. I think we both watched Luther and Luther, Luther's a good example of, <laughs> Like there's a lot of dialect accent in that. A lot it's set in London, but he's like a corrupt policeman. But he's like the anti-hero. Even with uh, recent shows like the like the Bodyguard, which isn't strictly mm. a crime drama, but there was a lot of discussion in Britain about the way that the the lead character said "mom," which is what the Bodyguard would say, mm-hmm. especially it's a politician he's protecting. He call, he says "yes, mom, no, mom," but he was like "mum, yes, mum." <laughs> <laughs> so like dialects are hard, even when with the native speakers. I think I was thinking about a show like Line of Duty, which is super popular in the uk and again it was it was one of those shows where they would introduce characters and you're like oh i like that character it's dead they've thrown him out a window <laughs> like it's just totally insane and there was a, it's very a very sort of interesting show the line of duty is about the police who catch the police the but that you have like the 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 police trying to catch these corrupt police officers and then you see the police officers as they try and evade capture or they're trying to get the way out of it like the anti-hero is a much bigger trope in i think in english language tv than it is so much in in german language tv do you think it just comes down to people trusting a bit amateurs like people just 
no one likes them, but they all trust them. In a bad light, I've exactly. No, I have no idea. I think it's a just. I think it's a funny one that you don't see that trope of corrupt, corrupt anti-hero copper as much as you do. Maybe it's just yeah. Maybe we're just more cynical in the English-speaking world. If anyone can think of an anti-hero on German TV, answers on a postcard to at decades from home, please. That'd be really interesting. Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear about that. And if if you've got any recommendations for particular episodes that we should try and catch mm. on Tatort, please do. I promise I'll watch all of it, and I will not give up after ten minutes when I I, I lose the thread of what exactly <laughs> everyone's saying. It'll at least give me a chance to practice. So I like to think that I enjoyed quote marks good TV or whatever that word might mean there. Uh, so my instinct is to try and watch shows that are considered high quality. They are unquestionably good. Uh, they're well scripted, well acted, well shot, well crafted. A cursory viewing of Netflix international hit Dark uh, will speak to the high caliber of production here in Germany. Fuck me, is it baffling? Uh, do you watch that? You watch <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've watched. I watched the first episode. My wife watched all of it. I think she doesn't like sci-fi. I think she gave up as well. But like, it's one of those shows that's on my watch list that just I haven't got to. I, uh, the first episode had me, and I was just like, I haven't had time to go back to it yet. But yeah, I like a good confusing TV show. Very, very confusing, but crafted. Ooh, what a what a show. Um, but it's really disheartening when you realise that you aren't quite there where you're understanding like what's actually going on. And this is where my journey with like <laughs> junk TV really started. I knew my German wasn't good enough and I was going to have to like kick it on from my lower level. Scripted drama was too much, that's clear. So what's the logical next step port of call? Shit TV <laughs> is goddamn right. Uh, so Nick, do you like shit TV? <laughs> Marvel TV show shit. You're going to say yes, aren't you? I'm, I've not watched them. I just don't. Philistine. Does nothing for me. I do not give a single toss. Yeah, it's pretty shit. I didn't think I liked shit TV, right? My habit for TV watching is, like, I'm a sucker for a, a crappy American sitcom. I won't go to the level of Big Bang Theory. I'll never go to the canned laughter, crappy sitcoms. But like something like Modern Family, I like we'll just put it on and it's in the background. I'm looking at my phone or I'm playing on something or doing something else, and it's in the background. And it's what my mum used to call moving wallpaper, okay, which yeah. is like my experience with it. I like trash German TV because I understand it, but I hate myself for liking it. <laughs> like self-loathing that I have about like watching these shows. But I do understand 95% of it. And so I felt quite good. But at the same time, like I needed to have a very long shower afterwards. But I think this is really the key thing why why I wanted to talk about this topic at all. Because there is a lot of positivity to be found in this. Whether it's just understanding a standard conversation between like a shop assistant and a shopper. Those are the moments that if you're not very comfortable with the language can be really, really terrifying and can create a lot of anxiety like just going to buy a shirt can be nerve-wracking but once you've watched 25 mm -hmm. hours total of shopping queen like you you know what's going to happen and i think that's a really key thing when i first moved to germany i was reliant on the internet like most mm -hmm. of us are to give me access to a whole raft of, of english media um it's a piece of home and it makes the transition easier for the first five years in Nuremberg, i was working as a language teacher so spoke english all day at work and was only really forced to speak german in a few situations mm -hmm. it was primarily like the bakery uh, and the supermarket so i was always a customer like that was always my role i wasn't really asking for much but as with most language learners mm -hmm. i ended up just memorizing a few phrases i liked mm -hmm. and used them like every single time it was the same conversation and that gets boring after a while i was confident they were right and it worked uh, that was kind of good enough for me so i mean here in in our region you have these phrases like servus grus gott adi did you learn these phrases quickly when when you were sort of coming up here yeah, i lived in a, a little village when i first came here so like service and grus gott i don't even remember when i learned them i think they were just i knew them already i did i did caught me i remember the first time i learned that was in a i was going to the gym and German gyms are like social clubs. And so you'd, you'd go into the changing rooms. And in Britain, you go into a German, you would get changed, you don't talk to anyone. Like, especially if you don't know them. Like, you're standing like half naked, not having conversations is totally acceptable <laughs> in my mind, right? But 
and in Germany, everyone's talking to everyone, and you'd see the, hear the old boys would come in. They go a day, a day, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what is like they've just made up a new word? Like, <laughs> is this is this new, what is going on? So like, I sort of picked up stuff more by osmosis than from watching television, particularly. These kinds of phrases they allow you to integrate really quickly, uh, and so yeah, mm-hmm. picking them up is really helpful. Question next is like, is watching English language TV is it a handicap? I think I have to say yes. Mm-hmm. I think it really is, and I think it was noticeable when you started watching more and more german tv your german went from like the confidence level confidence, more than anything else i think yeah. your, your 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 german language skills were always really good you understood a lot but you didn't speak as much and then then suddenly you were you were saying stuff and you were very very fluent and mm. and i was really jealous and like how how has he done that and then i asked and you were like oh, i'll just watch more tv mm. and I can't watch trash TV in the way you do, so my experience is more like watching YouTube, Irish Rundfunk or something like that, or like weird documentaries, or just trying to get as much German content, reading more German newspapers, watching more German media content, mm. because I feel like I'm also, I'm doubling up on like being aware of current events, yeah. but also my German's improved the more I've done that. I, I, I don't think it's anywhere as, as good as yours, but I think you probably say that I've improved over the last couple of years. Dramatically, over the, in the last year, I'd say, it's, it's been the, the most rapid increase of anyone in our friendship group. Yeah. You, you focused on it, and it's made a big difference. It's still it's still dog pops, but like uh, <laughs> there's there's still a way to go. But I think it's understandable though, right? Like you arrive in this 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 different country, everything's a little bit alien, and Germany's not so different from the UK, but it's different enough that it it's kind of like being an alternate world. Like it's almost like the like an upside down version of the UK. <laughs> there's things that make sense, and then there's stuff that makes no sense at all. And so you're looking for stuff to hold on to. And British TV or American TV is one way. And like I know a lot of people have VPNs and they watch mm. BBC or they watch. But I like kind of stopped. Like if I get BBC television now it's either i've had to seek it out because it's been recommended or it's been on netflix or it's on amazon mm. or whatever and I'll, I'll like watch it on that watching stuff like fleabag or there's a tv series that uh that i've really enjoyed recently which was i may destroy you i had to act- actively seek it out to watch it because it was never going to get shown here mm. or it wasn't going to get shown on the stuff that i had access to but mo- more and more now i watch stuff that's coming through streaming services mm-hmm. new is your ability i mean i think it's, it's challenging for for people from the uk or from america especially because obviously mm-hmm. we can get by with our language here so it sort of negates the requirement to learn german in the same way from watching these kinds of shows i've definitely picked up more of like how real mm-hmm. people speak than i would have if i'd gone to a course it was really when I met my wife and that was the first time I had like access to German TV and she introduced me to the show that built my confidence in shopping uh, in German and regional accents as well and that's Shopping Queen which we've already mentioned so for those who don't know Shopping Queen is a show it, Shopping Queen is shown daily on Germany on Vox and then it follows the challengers who are given 500 euros to put together and purchase an outfit to satisfy the theme set on uh, a weekly basis by the host the wonderful Gita Maria Kretschmer, big fan, is a kind-hearted and like empathetic fashion designer, which isn't something you meet every day. And he casts the deciding scores after all the contestants have voted for their competitors like uh, UK Export Come Dine With Me. It's not good TV. I'm not going to, for a moment, claim it is. But there is a charm that's given to it by sort of the kind support of Guido's feedback and the occasional criticism. How did you feel, now that you've watched a few episodes of this as research for this episode, how do you feel about Guido and his feedback style? Well, like, I like I like his, his manner and I like the way it's structured so they'll have the person talking and then it'll, he'll appear, sort of say something sarcastic. <laughs> My, and the question I had for you was like, I couldn't work out how much of it was snide, how much of it was him being like really scathing. I know I have a feeling he's not being sincere about that comment or I have mm-hmm. a feeling that that sounds more uh, scathing than it should be or or whatever but it, it, I just I think as a as a format it was quite it was quite funny. I can understand why people like to watch him. Yeah, I think he just comes across nicely like even when he is a bit sort of tongue in cheek or a bit backhanded with people. Mm-hmm. Like, like he still will always round it off by saying like something like you're an amazing person we really appreciate you like, you really did that well. And then he'll hit him with a little bit of mild critique. But he, he's always nice, I think. And I prefer his mm. feedback to like Heidi Klum uh, on Germany's Next Top Model, which always mm. comes across as a bit 
nasty. So I'm pleased you don't hate me. That's good. I'm pleased our relationship has survived me forcing you to watch that. <laughs> so the next question is a task. I'm Guido now. I'm going to give you 500 euros in the theme Bavarian Bond or Bayerischer Bond. What, what are you going to do? I think I'd I'd have no problem with that task if you gave us 500 euros. I like to think I've got quite good fashion sense. Given that my style, as we've discussed, is kind of based on watching Casino Royale, <laughs> like <laughs> I think I'd I'd have a good time. I think I could find I could probably find a decent suit for two hundred fifty. I could definitely put, find a good pair of shoes for a hundred euros. The watch might be tricky. Like I I think I would do well, and I'd definitely be able to buy a cardigan for a, under a hundred euros that would finish off the the dress bond, and then you've got like the relaxed bond in the hotel. Like, I could, uh, I think I'd do okay. But where's the Bavarian? Like, I, I was expecting Lederhosen with a suit jacket as well as I was hoping for. Do you honestly think James Bond's going to knock around in Lederhosen and get out of town, man? <laughs> what, you, what you're looking for, what you're looking for, maybe at a push is one of those sort of Jaeger jackets, something like that, maybe something that's maybe like a, the Huntsman look. The more time I spend here, the closer I find myself getting to like validating a purchase of a Jaeger jacket with like that beautiful yeah, yeah. Byrusha collar. A nice waistcoat. Can't go wrong with a nice waistcoat. So yeah, okay, so I th- those I think, would be I my. I think Guido would be kind to you. I think he, I think he'd like you as well. Uh, Fucking so, hope so. There's a good chance. <laughs> um, the one surprise question I have for you is: Who would you pick as your shopping begleiter, uh, as your shopping advisor? God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who I choose. As- like I don't take advice well at all. I'm really bad at taking advice. Like I missed. I, I like my my worst trait is that I have to reinvent the wheel. Like so, I'd invite someone who would be like just a an empty vessel. Someone who would just like I'd say like this, and they go, "Uh huh." You're not the first person who's done this. <laughs> I couldn't have uh, my, my wife wouldn't choose me, and I wouldn't choose my wife. So because I think we'd just we'd just end up killing each other. The amount of times my wife's gone, oh, actually, it's a bit tight at the back, and I'll lose my mind. I'm like, ah, it's, but the t-shirt's so cool. <laughs> like so, yeah. I think I think we can't have anyone that's too honest. I mean, this sounds like TV gold to me. Um, I'm <laughs> sure the producers would agree. Come get me, Guido. <laughs> So what I really love about Shopping Queen, as I said before, is that I can understand it. The premise is simple and never changing. The conversations are everyday ones like, can you help me? Do you have this in large? How much time do we have left? Uh, this is the kind of language that I was able to like brush up on and perfect the everyday mundane uh, that's so essential if, you, if you're really to feel at home in a foreign land. Another thing Shopping Queen does well, dispel this trope that Germans are dry or like lack a sense of humour, but I think we see that the majority of contestants, they try to be funny, at least. Like, maybe it's not laugh out loud, but, like, very few people take it super seriously. But it would be really easy to just turn up and be like, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be hard on everyone. But nobody does that. Everyone plays it light. Everyone tries to be nice to each other. Um, yeah. I, I, like, it's it was entertaining more than it was Good. funny. You'll be warming Guido's heartstrings. Like, obviously, trash TV is very popular. It's cheap to make. And so anything like that, it's why you get a lot of this stuff in Germany. I think the real success of Shopping Queen is there's, like, a trait in German society. Germans that like to be private, mm-hmm. they like their privacy, and they like to keep their private lives separate in a lot of ways that you might find surprising. But they also are incredibly nosy they desperately want to ask like quite pointed questions or they want to know a lot but the opportunity to go inside someone's house and go inside their wardrobe and look at like you can see everything and you like i was the the the, the episode you're like oh that's interesting they've got that mm. i've seen that in someone's house oh they've got tiles in that room I've, oh that's interesting oh i wouldn't have thought of putting that painting on the wall oh i see they've bought the uh, that ikea painting i saw that in ikea it's oh it's disgusting that and i think it taps into that weird juxtaposition between very private germans who desperately want to know everything about what's going on in people's private lives well i'm pleased you came out unscathed uh, from your baptism <laughs> uh, as a shopping queen um but yeah it's clear you're not not going to be watching it on the regular i'm not such a huge fan but that's fine but i'm going to say it now you better bloody not have an issue with the next suggestion i made which is bares ferraras bears for rares i call it because that's funny and uh it's annoying to my wife who's now enjoyed <laughs> six years of me making that same joke on a daily basis pretty much 
Um, so the concept of uh, bars for rars, I'm going to use the proper name here, is simple. People turn up with rare or old objects, they have them evaluated by a professional, and then, if they're happy with the value, are given the chance to enter into negotiations to sell this object to a gaggle of eager antique dealers all looking to make a quick buck flogging it on again. It's such an interesting show because it's it's like the mm-hmm. Antiques Roadshow, which again is a Sunday night sort of staple in, in Britain. It's the American version now. The Antiques Roadshow is like sedate, nice little like country pile or they're in a castle or something and uh, old really old people bring their antiques and they find out that they're worth like hundreds of thousands and then they faint on live television or like on they faint on television and that's been the thing the thing that got us with this mm-hmm. show is it starts like that and i was like all right it's antiques roadshow and yeah. they're gonna evaluate and then they go like right we'll buy it, <laughs> buy it. and then they have to like negotiate <laughs> a price with this group of 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 de- experts and dealers and i'll say oh that's blown my mind that has totally blown my mind yes yeah, it's, it's a real capitalist twist on this <laughs> but yeah i mean if you are not careful like they're going to take you like they're not just yeah, gonna go rip you off oh, yeah, no no it's, it's actually worth 500 we'll give you 450 like they will mm. rip you off given the chance i think one of the great joys is seeing it go the other way when mm. the experts overpay and it's like oh that was only valued at 600 they paid 800 the mugs um that's that's, <laughs> that's a wonderful thing uh, and there are some really great personalities among the dealers themselves. Like, there's a rotating group, but there are a few key members. Lucky is my personal favourite. This guy is fantastic and a window into the complexities of like Bayerisch. This man, as well as being little and charming and Bavarian, in 1967 he walked on his hands from Regensburg to Rome. That's 1,070 kilometres on his hands. And he is now referred to as the world champion of handwalking. That's the the maddest fact. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I've got nothing else to say. It's insane. Uh, yeah. Lucky, I love you. You're great. Um, but as great as these dealers are, as much as I like a lot of them, none of the buyers compared to the irrepressible positivity of Horst Lichter, uh, the host. And I am a huge fan of Horst Lichter. Uh, the man himself looks incredible. He has a prize-worthy handlebar moustache and round glasses that dominate all his other features. And he stands as like this charming caricature, like full of willingness to make himself the butt of the joke or to play the fool. He smashes down the barriers around people who are selling these family heirlooms for profit, plays the joker to diffuse what might normally be quite a sensitive experience. Now, formality dictates that when you don't know someone in Germany, you should use their title, surname, and the formal Z form. Uh, Horst, he knows this. He's a German, but he is also apparently filled with like this personal vendetta against this concept. He'll approach any unknown person with a full-blown confidence of like their closest relatives. Most interactions with him, like they start off with my favourite greeting, which is "Hello." <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Anything we said will be met with uh, to like "Boah, himmlisch." Uh, wow, heavenly. Meine Liebe, uh, my dear. Uh, was für uh, What a story. It doesn't matter what you say, he's going to double down on the positivity and enthusiasm. And for me, this is what I love most about Horst, because this is not what you expect uh, coming from another country to, like, to watch German TV. Just this like, unparalleled positivity and enthusiasm. And Horst, oh, he's got it in spades. How did you feel about Horst? <laughs> don't, don't, don't break my heart. <laughs> Just so you know, listener, in the show notes, I, I wrote a warning to Simon where I said, breaking the news to Simon about how Berries is actually made, right? I like him. I think he's a very good presenter. That's the first thing, right? But Thank you. There's, there's something interesting <laughs> about the see and do thing that got me. And I was like, is it just affect? Is there something more behind it, right? And then I was like, right, well, I'm going to find out how this show is actually made. With TV shows like this, you have to apply for shows like this to make sure that people are vetted so that they can choose the most entertaining group of people for any area that they're filming, right? That's the, It's just the way TV's made. It's not a surprise, right? What is dis- What I find disturbing in Germany is... People are really surprised about how, te- like, it's not honest. And I'm like, it's reality TV, kids, right? This stuff isn't 
isn't re- it's not a real like they haven't just found someone randomly like how hard would that be to make a tv show of any quality <laughs> where they just find random people who are all entertaining there's a lot of youtube videos that are like this is how it's really made or a lot of people who've appeared on shopping queen as an example who go oh this is my experience of shopping queen like blowing a hole in how it's made say like, no it's tv right mm. with um, but bars for us what you have is a similar process, right? What I can assure you is the negotiating process is real. Apparently, the contestants okay. and the the experts have to stay in separate hotels, so they don't see each other. There's okay. no like, un, there's no knowledge of what's going. On. So that bit is real. But you see, in the sequence where there's loads of people queuing up, they're they're all mm-hmm. actors, right? They're not real, right? Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> right? And so you, you, they basically they vet the people who who turn up, and they choose the ones who are most interesting, and then they put them on TV, which is where the C do thing came in. Because I'm I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that's his style that he mm. put, and I think the reason you like him is because of that. And I think he he knows that, and that is that is pre- presenting affect. But it mm. could also be that he's already met them. Saying that, like I've seen like the comments on these th- on these YouTube videos where people are like, they've been lying to us for years. <laughs> it's like no, it's just how TV's made. No one wants to watch the show where someone turns up with like a Casio watch worth like ten euros, and that's the only guy that turned up that day. So that's the person that's on the TV show. That you do end up with more interesting products, more interesting backstories. So the backstories are real; they're just not randomly turning up, and the experts are real. So it's not. I'm not entirely destroying the b- background of these shows. I'd like to meet Horst and ask him if it, he's only saying due to these people because he's he's met them already or whether he, it's just what he does with everyone. I guess we'll find out if we meet him and he says do to us. In spite of all this this, this revelation, I'm confident that Horst and Bez Ferrez will, will remain a key part of my German TV viewing. And one day, I hope I have something like this rare enough to warrant a trip to the show. I'm definitely going to be able to Just, just buy, so, buy something rare on, on eBay and then send them an application form. You'll be fine. I think, yeah, I think that might just happen. I mean, nothing would please me more than seeing how he would engage with me and my wife. Like, I, I fizz at the possibility that he would light up when he heard I was from the UK. And I'm 100% certain he would have a fantastic personal anecdote to regale us with. If not, he'd, at least he'd hit me with a Batfan Geschichte. Yeah, that'd be a dream. So long live Horst Lichter and his quest for the familiar doofball. <laughs> For our final section on TV, we thought it would be interesting to look at some of the TV shows that are remakes of English language TV. First up is Stromberg. Stromberg is a German mockumentary comedy television series, one of the most successful comedy series in in Germany, which was broadcast on Pro Sieben. The series stars Christoph Maria Herbst as Bernd Stromberg and is written mainly by Ralph Hussmann. It became one of the most popular comedy shows and still is very popular. It has entered the cultural milieu within German television and was honoured with loads and loads of different awards such as the Deutsche Fernseher Prize, which is, it's not a, is Bambi the highest prize you can get for German television? Or I can't mm. remember, but it's definitely one of the higher prizes that you can get for, for German television. You've watched Stromberg, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think I've watched the first three seasons. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It, it feels familiar. As soon as you say mockumentary, like there's pretty much one show that comes to mind, especially for British people, and that's that's The Office. I also spent many years over the last decade teaching at an insurance company. It was one of my main customers. And so I've, I've dealt with a lot of people who work in insurance. Uh, and so yeah, I always felt kind of connected to, to Stromberg because of it touching vaguely on on real life that I'd experienced, so yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Well, that's that's the thing. It was I always assumed, without ever checking on it, that Ricky Gervais mm. and Stephen Merchant had simply done what they'd done with the American Office. They just sold the format, which is something that you see quite often. Is a format successful in one country? I mean, Big Brother is a great example. It was a I think it was a Dutch format, Dutch, yeah. That, yeah, and they sold it to, to loads of different countries. Pop Idol, X Factor, Deutschland sucht ein Superstar, The Voice. The voice I saw first in Germany before it ever got to the UK, and so there's a lot of these mm. these shows of, of formats are shared around the country. So I just assumed, all right, they've sold the format mm. in the same way. Turns out that's not actually the story behind it. The BBC and I think Ricky Gervais himself had to contact mm. Pro Zeben and say, 
you've stolen our TV show. It was deemed as a copy by both the BBC and Ricky Gervais. And initially the producers like claimed, oh no, we've created this TV show. It's a completely original TV show that we've created for pro team and comedy. Mm. Um, despite the obvious connections, despite the, the style of the camera work, the style of the comedy even is, is quite British. And eventually they added an inspired by credit, which was given to The Office and Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant after only after the BBC threatened pro team with legal action. You Using formats that are successful in other countries is quite common, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. The other example I was thinking of was Hoyter Show. Is that a show that you watch that much? I, I, I fail to watch it regularly, but whenever I do, I'm always like, oh, I should watch this more often because it, it does... I like comedy news. It's one of my favourite mm. ways to get information is to have it delivered with a with a joke because otherwise it's just mm. also bloody bleak. I mean, yeah, Hoyt Show is not as funny for me as sort of the American versions like The Daily Show, Late Night with Seth Meyer. I think those are just snappier and better written in a lot of cases. But Hoyt Show is, is pretty good. Same format. It's got the presenter behind the desk. It's got the funny little images for each new story that come up, the comedian reporters on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't my realisation of how much it was like The Daily Show only came when Trump had said, like, America first. And then the Dutch version of The Daily Show was the first one to do it. And they created America first, uh, Netherlands second. <laughs> and then every, like, you saw things in France and Spain, the Czech Republic. And I realised that it isn't just Germany that's taken this format. Mm. All these other countries have taken this satirical format, this structure, because The Daily Show was a really well-crafted bit of television. That, and it wasn't until that moment that's like, oh, this is something that's, that's just European-wide as well. So, I mean, it can be quite easy when we look at things like The Daily Show and other shows that, yeah, there's a lot of imports produced here in Germany is maybe being made to seem like their original content. Now, there is one nice flip side to this, and this is some German original content that's now actually being remade in the UK. Uh, and this is the show, The Tatort Reiniger, The Crime Scene Cleaner. Um, and Tadel Reiniger is a, a German comedy show broadcast on NDR, NDR starring Björn Mädel uh, as, the, as the protagonist of the show. And it was broadcast from 2011 to 18 and seven seasons and 31 episodes. It's a mixture of like chamber play, sitcom and comedy of manners. Björn Mädel plays this crime scene cleaner, Heiko Schotty Schotter, uh, and he works as a, a facility cleaner uh, specialised in crime scenes. And it's his job to remove the last traces of the living in and around Hamburg. Um, and it's not a crime thriller and it's not a detective story either, but it takes a look at the work of the crime scene cleaner in like a humorous way. Doesn't seem like a normal deep well of comedy cleaning up blood, but they did it anyway. Even though it's German, it's not too abstract for the people back home. And so BBC One have actually commissioned this and it's going to be called The Cleaner and it's going to be starring Greg Davies giant of Shropshire and star of Taskmaster and in between us probably the two best a very very funny guy so yeah that's coming German TV is being remade on on British TV so kudos hoot up uh, so Nick what other German TV shows should be remade in the UK I'd actually like it more if British TV had more did what they do in Germany where they'll have like a, fr- a French TV show and they'll just synchronise it I don't think they can I don't think British audiences can handle dubbing as well as German audiences but even if with just the subtitles there's a lot of good German TV that would be like interesting to see how British audience would react to it so Tadot are we going to translate 1000 plus episodes of Tadot <laughs> That, I mean, it'd be in- I wonder what they would do with it. I'll, obviously, Tattoo Heavy this week. The great thing about Tattoo is it's, it's the sandbox, isn't it? You've got this collection of characters with really in-depth backstories, and you can create like a ones like a western, like the the ones with Till Schweiger are just basically Die Hard. Like that's all it is. It's like Die Hard, or you can do like like genre pieces with these characters who have really rich backstories. There was one episode um, I, I was watching clips from where it was all just set in a hotel. And mostly in just one room. And it was a crossover, all these different characters. And I was like, that's a really cool idea. You've got all these interesting characters all sort of intermingling in this universe. It it, it did feel a lot like the Marvel movies. <laughs> so shit, then. Uh, no. So I'm gonna hang you next time I see you. Um, like yeah, so like something like that, I would find quite interesting having like different police officers around the country, all in different areas. You'd get a different feeling of the different parts of the UK. That would be really interesting, I think. Yeah. What about you? What I have a feeling I know which one you're gonna say. I want to see Bears for Red. I, I, I want to see cutthroat <laughs> capitalist <laughs> antiques roadshow. Like it makes so much sense. 
Uh, yeah, one I love again. It's, it's trash reality <laughs> TV. It's, uh, the Trudel Troop, uh, das Geld League in Keller, uh, where yeah, people basically are forced into doing estate sales, and they have professionals who come in and help them decide what the value of things are and what they should be sold for, and also more often than not, really help these people on like a psychological level as well. They'll build them up mm-hmm. and turn people who are really scared of selling their products into people that are confident. Uh, unable to like negotiate with people and one of my favorite phrases that i learned from tv i learned from a man called shukru who's on uh mm-hmm. and for negotiation i think it's the best phrase you can have with trifons and mitter we'll meet in the middle i think that's a really nice little phrase and yeah i'm eternally grateful for that show uh teaching me how to negotiate in german so yeah Shop, shopping queen for shopping, trial truck for negotiation. I don't know what else you need in life. I hope we've convinced some of the English speakers who are having challenges with their German to try out a bit of German TV, give it a go. And the fact that it's so accessible as well, like all the channels have websites where you can watch a lot of the content back, move away from VPNing all the stuff from the BBC or trying to trying to hunt down an HBO uh, series that isn't uh, mm. some patchy low quality streaming service there's a good chance you're already mm-hmm. paying for this because this is something you have to pay for uh so you might as well get a little bit out of your money otherwise yeah exactly euros a quarter down the drain yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna indulge more maybe not so much shopping queen but i think i'm gonna indulge more in german television from now on there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there there's a lot of bad stuff but it's just an opportunity to learn and yeah <laughs> why deny yourself that That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening. No announcements this week. Hello, All right, Simon, you're still here. You don't usually join us for the end of the podcast. Meine Lieber. Ah, oh, thanks, dude. You always say the nicest things. Boah, himmelisch. Wait, are you okay? Hello, Ah, oh, shit. What did I tell you about watching all those Beres Ferreras marathons? You're stuck in a horse lichter loop. Was für ein Geschichter. It's not a story. Remember last time? It took three days before you stopped appraising everything I owned. Boah, himmelisch. No, it wasn't. You said my mint condition early 90s Happy Meal toys were worthless. You made me cry, man. Meine Liebe. Yeah, well, you would say that. Hallöchen. Look, shut up a second while I finish the show. Then I can call your wife to come get you. There's no way you're going to drive in this state. Where was I? As ever, if you have any questions. Hallöchen. Look, shut up, man. <sighs> Just go sit over there. You can tell me how much that life-size Ninja Turtle's worth and then I can finish. <clears throat> anyway, as ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on, at Decades From Home, or you can tweet me, at 40% German. You can also uh, hashtag the show with hashtag Decades From Home, all lowercase. You can contact us via email, 40%German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com, which has weekly articles every Saturday. All that's left to say is, thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Hallo. Come on, man, settle down.